I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Oh, South Kakalaka! Don't you dare be sour! Clap for your world-famous full-time champs! And feel the power! It's a new day, yes it is! For 12-Pack Radio, get excited, y'all. Welcome back everyone to 12-Pack Radio, your podcast source for Pac-12 football news, the home of the Bader and College Football Statistical Model, and your home for Pac-12 gambling advice with William Hills, Max Meyer. This is Brian Conger, live from the Dallas-Fort Worth freaking airport, where you're going to hear so many announcements about wearing a mask and uh, probably like seven lost children. And that's okay. That's our dedication to you to cover the Pac-12. And it was a pretty bonkers week. And as always, I'm here to talk about it with Mr. Rob Bowen, the wizard behind Sharp College Football. What's going on, Rob? I'm I'm excited for this week. We've got uh we've got you know probably Arizona and Colorado's best chance to win a Pac-12 game this year. <laughs> that game is so gross. I'm so excited about it. <laughs> I I guess the one thing to mention, um, it was such a it was such a bizarre week, and I think the games coming up this week, uh, which is like week seven already, which I believe uh, is where we're at. What a, I think it's a good time to run through the games, but also to kind of take a heat check of some of these teams were about halfway through the season and I still I thought I would have a better feel for most of these teams but now that now beta ranks numbers are starting to lock in and you know I'm looking at UCLA's pass defense and the numbers kind of confirmed what I saw which is it sucks <laughs> yeah so I think there's some metrics that are coming in that are really going to help um let's do some general thoughts about last week Rob though there's uh you know only four games but but uh, I guess you know what. Let me start because that freaking Arizona game. We were we were on the right side of history, Rob. We, we were on top <laughs> we of that. Were. Sixteen and a half. Arizona is pushing maybe to try to win that game, and then uh, Jordan McLeod goes down. And holy goodness, this might be the worst team in uh, maybe not in the power, probably in the Power Five. Right? We'll probably find out tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if they're as quite as bad as say Kansas or Vanderbilt, but it's pretty close. Um, and without McLeod, um, I mean, I know that there are some Arizona folks that are sort of like trying to talk up some positives about Gunnar Cruz from that BYU performance, but no, thanks underneath, (laughs) under, under, like we talked about, like underneath the stats, you know, there were some really bad, really bad throws and decisions in that performance. So I'm, I'm not in on the the gunner cruise experience so yeah just it's it was a real tough luck from a cloud who looked like he was kind of putting it together a bit um and arizona was hanging with him down only one score in the fourth quarter and that was it yeah no thanks on that one uh by the way just to, just to paint a beautiful picture for you i ran up into the dallas fort worth american airlines human resources second floor overhang i'm just looking over this airport just shouting you know, beautiful Pac-12 gambling advice to everybody that can hear me, um, <laughs> which is probably a violation of something. But that's okay. That's okay. Um, what, what else stood out for you last week? 
I mean, Washington State's defense, I mean, they've really, uh, I don't think there's any two ways about it. They've really turned a corner in year two under Dickert. Um, <clears throat> just an incredible um, turnaround on, on uh, the new staff's part on getting this Washington State defense where they are. Um, you know, really able in large part to, to slow down, you know, Oregon State's, you know, seemingly unstoppable offense. I mean, even though Oregon State, you end up with, um, you know, they ended up, you know, being able to run the ball pretty well. Um, you know, the Cougs were able to really put them, you know, behind the eight ball. And they were really only, you know, like the, you know, Oregon State only turned the ball over once more than the Cougs did. Um, just a terrific performance by them. Yeah, Rob. So I went two and two on the week. Should have went three and one. And actually, you know what? I, I did something sleazy. I went and took Utah plus three and a half. After I picked USC on the podcast, <laughs> but um, but one of the picks I did have was Washington State. I think this team, you know, and you hit the nail on the head with the defense. The defense is doing pretty well, right? Eight against the pass, which is freaking bonkers. Yeah, fifty three against the rush according to Beta Rank. Um, I more picked Washington State because they can move the ball. I think when Delore is in, this is a team that could put up points and be competitive. And just a far cry from what we were saying when they lost to Utah State at the beginning of the year. And yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think that's a, a really fun game and a big win for them. Um, and, and the students didn't rush the field. God bless them, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> you beat Oregon State, let's calm down. And they did. They, I think the expectations there are right about where they should be. And, and that's great. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it, it's, a, and it's a good story, the defense. Like, the offense still has some work to do. Um, you know, and I think a couple more Delora games will, will potentially get them there. You want to talk about USC's defense? Because, whoo, 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 man, oh man, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's one of those ones where, if I'm a Utah fan, I would just have a little, you know, have a little bit of a caution on saying like, "Oh man, the Utes have figured out their," because you you see this really often among fans and you know folks in the press. You know, when a team, you know, as the t- you know team goes through the season, like, oh, they play a bad team and they figure it out, and then they play a good team, and oh, they just can't figure. It. Like, it's not so much that they lack consistency, so much as like their opponent is changing, <laughs> and the quality yeah. of their opponent is changing. And this USC defense is really, really bad. We had some inkling, you know, coming into the game how bad they were, but they're at number ninety six in Beta Rank right now. Um, <clears throat> If it were not for Arizona, they would be the worst defense in the Pac-12. Every team needs to contribute somehow to the conference, Rob, and Arizona has found a way. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, What else stood out for you this week, or this past week? I mean, the the performance really from Arizona State, too. I mean, they really (coughs) offensively turned it on against Stanford. They were able to contain Stanford's, you know, attack pretty well. I mean, you know, McKee got his McKee got his yards and his average wasn't bad, but I mean, they really got pressure on him um, and that helped contribute to those interceptions. I think this Arizona State USC matchup is fascinating. I think some of the lines that the that Vegas has set for these games are really out of whack from where I think they should be. But then I went and took a look at Beta Rank and Beta Rank's closer to Vegas than my numbers are. And I think that's going to be really fascinating to look through. Um, any, any other bigger items, news, anything we want to cover about the previous week? Oh, I mean, we'll get into that anyway, but this is more just general thoughts. I know. I'm just, I'm, I'm excited to see the ducks come back. Um, and I, I guess <clears throat> a la what we have, what we saw in that Oklahoma, Texas game, 
Because Anthony Brown is a big reason this offense has been scuffling along for the Ducks. Like, you know, do do we see a QB change? Yeah, I um, it'll be interesting to see if Joe Moorhead shows up because that I that just, in the first half you could tell like oh, man, yeah. that offense was so lost. <laughs> no, he's he's supposed to be back. Oh, good, good. Yep. Um, because I had money on Oregon, and when I saw that news, I went crap. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I really was yeah. Very excited about that and their game upcoming against Cal will be interesting. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see what what happens here because it's a um, uh, that, you know they should cruise right, and if they don't, man, we really know that's quarterback issue, particularly if the offensive coordinator's back. It just seems like Moorhead's gotten as much as he possibly can out of Anthony Brown, and and that's a you know credit to him. I I don't know, are we giving him too much credit, uh, Moorhead, so far? No, I don't think we're giving him too much credit. I mean, I think we saw what the offense could potentially be, but, you know, Brown is, you know, he's, he is holding them back in his distribution of the ball. Like, we, you know, he, he hit what he needed to do against Ohio State, but in that game, I mean, I think one of the takeaways that I had over the next two weeks, in particular, you know, with, you know, an advanced stats model, all my own to follow along with, was like Ohio State's defense was not good. And we found that out. Now they've made some changes, and you know they've changed the play caller. Yeah, they made it quick too. <laughs> right, <laughs> that was a short tenure. Well, after giving up a bunch of yards to Tulsa, that'll do it. Um, so there, you know that the, you know the Buckeyes are starting to look like a top ten team again. Oregon needs a real bounce back. I mean, they've played; they've had a couple of pretty bad games that they need to fix. So here's one more question for you before we get into the games and we review what we saw last year or last week. And we talked about this a little bit in the last podcast, which was, I think Oregon needs some help. Like, you know, one loss Oregon going into the the playoff. I don't know if that looks all that great. You know, like if if you have Cincinnati and you have Georgia and you have a couple other teams, I just, you know, I think the respect for the Pac-12 is so low right now that Oregon's going to need to, A, run the table anyway to get into the, the playoff. But even if they do that, it, it's just in a weird spot because if it's a one loss Ohio State versus a one-loss Oregon. I think Ohio State gets in. No, I mean, I don't think the no. committee would do that. But they need Ohio State to run. the. Like, I think with Cincinnati looming. And, I mean, <laughs> I it's, it's true, I though. Yeah. I mean, and, and you know, and you could you could say all you want that, you know, like, I mean, an unde- but an undefeated Cincinnati team with road wins versus Indiana, road win versus um, Notre Dame is, is going to have – you know, enough to be in the conversation. I mean, and they dominated the Irish. Um, and this Oregon team, I mean, it's not just they have to win out. They just have to quit playing like crap, right? Like, they, they absolutely have to. I mean, like, this Oregon team is 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 really just not playing up to the talent level that they have. And it, it you know, begs, you know, it begs a lot of questions, right? Like, Oregon's recruited well enough that they should absolutely not be in this range. Right. Like they're, they're, they're in the range. They're playing like, I mean, and I don't want to, you know, like this is very early returns, but they're playing more like USC does with this kind of talent. Right. Like just not living up to the talent level. I, I would say not this year's USC, but like three or four years ago, USC, where you're like, yeah, you win some games in the Pac 12, you know, maybe you get to eight or nine wins, but you're not really that good. Yeah, I, I guess the the pushback would be on injuries, and I'm I'm looking up their injuries right now. Because yeah. boy, howdy on defense, and I know they've recruited really well, you know. So they have the depth, but you know, this this coming week, it looks like Justin flows out, Cam McCormick's out. Yeah. Um, 
you got DJ James suspended. There's just a lot of, I mean, obviously CJ Verdell, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know if Thibodeau is like 100% back. Bennett Williams, by the way, is out for the season. Who's that safety? That That's really good. I mean, they just got a lot of star players that are not going to be showing up against Cal. And yeah. frankly, a lot of the games moving forward, it's going to be up to this depth. And that, that was the problem last year. It was like they lost their starters and then they're, you know, the people behind them really just didn't step up. And it was a weird year and they didn't have time and they weren't able to tackle as much as they should. But man, that defense looked bad. I mean, um, the, the injuries certainly are there, but still like this Oregon team, even before some of these injuries set in, just wasn't playing up to the level that they needed to. Yeah, okay. Well, we'll uh, we'll go through their game against Cal in addition to every other game and, and take a look back at last week. And we'll do it right after this, and we're going to do it fast so we don't get kicked out by the American Airlines, you know, head of, head of stewards. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, we're back. And we're going to go through all of the upcoming week games and take a little bit of a look back at last week and break down some of these games, Rob. I have all the, the upcoming games here up. I have the point spreads, and I'm curious where you want to start. Let's start with Oregon Cal. All right. The Bears, 13 and a half point underdog. Is this game in Eugene or uh, in Berkeley? It's in Eugene. Okay. I mean, Cal sucks. Right. Cal sucks. You think, or like, right, if, if you're Oregon, you're not looking at whether or not you're going to win this game. You're looking at, can we beat this team down by 20 points um, and walk away easy? I mean, that, that's what I would be looking for if I'm an Oregon fan. Is that fair? I mean, yeah. I've, I mean, one of the interesting things to see in this game is Washington State really put the screws to this, Cal, like in, in Cal's last outing, right? Um, Washington State really put the screws to them with Washington State's pass rush. Um and it didn't look like they could protect Garbers. It didn't look like they could really get a run game going. Um, you know, can can Oregon, you know, do the same thing? You'd really like to see that, right? Like their defense right now for the Ducks grades out at 36 in beta rank. Um, they're pretty decent. It's, you know, they've got a decent run defense at 29. They tackle well. I mean, those numbers need to get better, right? They need to have a good game because this this offense for Cal is at 77 right now, right? Um, you know, Oregon, Oregon needs to be able to, to put up a, a pretty lopsided number against this Cal team, um, you know, just considering how Cal's been scuffling along. Yeah, both these teams had a bye last week. So I guess we can dive just right into the game. Ugh. I just, you know, I thought Musgrave was an interesting hire. I didn't, and we kind of said that the jury was out on him. Yeah. But like you mentioned, like, you know, the offense is, is pretty bad. It's one of the worst power five offenses in the country. The rushing game, I really thought that Brown, their running back, was going to have a great year. And he has just kind of disappeared. And I also thought Garbers, like, I actually thought the offense was going to be the strength of the team because I thought the defense was going to be the weakness. And yeah. uh, it turns out that they're both, they're both pretty weak. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> Meanwhile, you flip it over. Let's say Moorhead's back. I, I don't know. Like, I want I want to take a look at the running the running stats here because I I just I've just not been impressed again. And I look I, I know Burdell was having a good game before he went down, but the running attack is like top thirty, and it that's about right, you know. But I, yeah. I just anticipated them being like top fifteen. And really yep. just having the opportunity. But that really hasn't been the case. And it goes back to what we've been saying. is like, I think the running, running game for Oregon is what it is. Um, and until I see otherwise, like, I don't see a huge advantage here. You know, we, we kept saying that you can run up the middle against Cal. But if you don't really have a great running game, I mean, I guess that kind of evens out a little bit, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I like I like Oregon to be able to run the ball pretty well in this game. They're at 27. Cal's at 84, an effective rush on defense. Um, so I, I think this Oregon squad's got a shot to put up some put up some rushing yards, but at eighty nine an effective pass right now, Cal doesn't. I mean, Cal doesn't have a great pass defense. They're at eighty one, but you know, like you know, Cal would do well to to force Anthony Brown to beat him if they can. You know, the one the one thing that makes me want to take or lay the thirteen and a half on Oregon, it's I think I think Moorhead's going to be able to scheme people open. Right, like that's the you know if he puts Brown in a position just to hit the throws that he can hit, but not force too much, I think he has an opportunity to just put up enough points to win this game. Because I do, I, I know that Cal hasn't been particularly, I'm sorry, Oregon hasn't been particularly great against defending the pass, but Cal isn't all that good at throwing it either. No, no. <laughs> I, I mean, if, if you know, if if Oregon comes back more healthy on <clears throat> defense in particular. Then I, I like that. I mean, what's what's lacked for them at times has been getting a really effective pass rush. Um, and I think if they can get that going in this game, and Cal has really struggled. Angus McClure, their offensive line coach <laughs> that they brought over from, over from Nevada two years ago, kind of has a reputation as a guy that's more of a recruiter than a teacher. Um, and, and Cal's, I mean, that Washington State game, that Cal just looked totally lost. They could not handle any of Washington State's pressure. Do you think that, like, you know, Oregon's pass attack is in the 80s? Do you think that number is a little too low? Just I mean, because it's possible. I mean, neither of these teams have more. I think each of these teams have five or four FBS games in because they've each had a bye and they've each played an FCS game. So each of them have an opportunity to really, you know, like, you know, improve versus where their numbers are right now. <clears throat> I think Cal's numbers feel about right. Um, you could argue that Oregon's numbers feel low, but they haven't played that. I mean, right? Like their one big game offensively was against a very bad Ohio State defense, and then they're you know they 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 they're performing now. Their performance against the Buckeyes is in a lot of ways helping out their defensive grade, right? Because that Ohio State offense is really getting going. Um, but I I mean I. <laughs> I, I I think that you know each of these teams have still have plenty. Of, like if if Oregon comes out and absolutely boat races Cal, like they're going to move pretty significantly in the model. Um, you know, in the same way that like we've seen Ohio State in the last two weeks since they made the change at defensive coordinator, they've moved up back into the top ten in beta rank. All right, I'm going to take Oregon. I don't like it. Um, this is more of a bet on Moorhead and a bet against the rushing uh, the rushing defense of Cal. But 13 and a half, I mean, this is this could be a get-right game for Oregon where people are panicking a little bit from the loss against Stanford. But I did I did like what Oregon was able to do in the second half of that game, moving the ball. Um, 
And I think once you bring back somebody that can really be a little bit more complex and pick out some of the deficiencies of Cal and there are Legion. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna lay the 13 and a half. I'll take Oregon. I'm definitely not gonna bet this game. I think it's it's kind of a uh, I don't know. It, it, it worries me. I'm I'm actually gonna take the Bears, and that's hard to say. But I'm going with Baderink on this one. Like I just I I need to see Oregon before I believe Oregon. Yeah, that's fair. And and sometimes we get stuck in this trap where we see the name on the front of the jersey, and it's just like, well, they're gonna figure it out. They're gonna figure it out. But. Um, if I'm an Oregon fan and they don't cover the spread, I'm really worried about their opportunity to make the playoff this year. So just keep an eye on that as we move forward. Uh, where do you want to go next? Uh, should we do the the feature game? I mean, there's there's some actually pretty good games this week, but like the the, the feature game might be Arizona State and Utah. Oh, I thought you were gonna say Arizona Colorado. No, no, that is the. <laughs> I mean that that is it. That is a cage match to see who can get their their only Pac-12 win this season, but. <laughs> yeah, oh, one one more thing on I'm looking at the the over under for Cal and Oregon it's 54 which is about average but I think Oregon's going to put up a lot of points. I, I just think, you know, which is why I'm taking them. I think they're just going to be able to score 35. Um and I want I'm wondering if Cal's going to be able to to at least put up 14 or or 17 or something like that. Anyway, just something to keep a lookout for. All right, Arizona State going on the road to Salt Lake to play Utah. Rice Eccles, difficult stadium, Rob. Difficult oh, stadium. Yeah. That place is going to be loud. That team is going to be fired up. Um, I think they have something to play for that's bigger than just Utah football, right, with um, with the loss of a player. Yep. I think they have a little bit of momentum coming out of USC. With all that said, I am surprised that they were a favorite for a moment, <laughs> for a hot minute. I <laughs> Me think too. Me too. Line, I think, opened around ASU one or two and then flipped over to Utah. It's back to ASU, which is a one-point favor on the road. I, I guess let's take a look at some of the games that uh, that were played. You know, ASU just – I sent out a tweet from the 12-pack radio account saying that I was really impressed uh, not just with the offense of ASU, but the speed at which they were playing in the first half. The one yeah. thing I should have mentioned was the second half, that offense did nothing. Yeah. And it went back to – that Herms, I mean, like, they, like they ASU won this game in the first half, um, and their defense is excellent. And uh, I don't know. I I, um, I thought I thought Jay Daniels is able to really. I mean, he was he was slinging darts in that first half. He was right. hitting his wide receivers. They were moving. They were they weren't rushing up to the line of scrimmage, but they were moving up to the line of scrimmage and not in a lethargic way, which is kind of what I'm used to with Herm. And the running game is good. Yeah. I, um, I don't know. What did you what did you think about their the way that they played Stanford? I mean, I thought they played real. I mean, I, the the one thing to really highlight, I think, of that game is that how much pressure they got on McKee. I mean, they really yeah. got after him, uh, contributed to those interceptions that he threw. Um, you know, I mean, McKee, you know, did not. I mean, it's hard to say because when you throw three picks, it's hard to say. Other than the three picks, but other than the three picks, he had a decent game, right? Um, yeah. Well, in- and two of those picks were a little funky. One of them was his fault. Yeah. Um, it was a bad throw that it, like bounced off two hands and then it, but the other one was a weird bad catch by the wide receiver. So I, I see, anyway, that to say, I hear what you're saying because for the most part, he was, he was get he was hitting players that were open and he was moving the ball. 
Yeah. Yeah, I mean, ASU, mostly in this game, found a way to not give up points, even as they gave up yards. Um, and that's, I mean, you're going to have games like that for sure. I was impressed by how they were able to run the ball. Um, and 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 Daniels was Daniels was decent throwing the ball around, right? Like, they didn't ask him to do a whole, whole lot. His, uh, you know, that second half really hurt his completion percentage. That wasn't great in the second half. Um you know, and I, but I think that this ASU team, when you look across the conference, they suddenly look like the, you know, they suddenly look like the most complete team in the conference, right? I mean, they've struggled with drive efficiency. You can see that. I mean, which is where they've struggled to put up points. And that second half against Stanford was was a lot like that, right? Like <laughs> just struggled to complete drives and put up points. But they put up a lot of really big plays. They're number two in explosive drives and beta rank right now. And they get a Utah defense that bounced back a bit. You know, they really had a good game against USC, brought them back more into line, um, you know, with where we sort of expected them to be at the beginning of the season. But they're still only at 32 in beta rank. Um, you know, I just, it, I, I think ASU, you know, might be able to run the ball on them because they're at 42 in effective rush this Utah and and they've struggled against and, and Daniels is mobile and they're running him. They have struggled against mobile quarterbacks this season. Absolutely. That that was going to I was going to add that if you didn't mention it, because I do think ASU is going to be able to move the ball on the ground. The one thing that makes me a little nervous is that in doing so, they could keep this game close, which is what Edwards likes to do. Yeah. Um, but there's that. It kind of reminds me of the ASU-BYU game when you kind of said, all right, we have two teams. Which team has the chance to break open one? I think it's going to be, you know, I think it was BYU. I would actually turn that on its head in this game and say, you know, these two teams, which team has the chance to, to bust open a 50-yard run? Well, it's Jaden Daniels. Or a 30-yard run, you know, on the 35 when the crowd's going nuts. It's going to be Jaden Daniels. Um, I, I, I really like ASU in this this game. I'm just worried about, like, the the – non-football factors that go into that uh you know i just i just don't think usc's found itself but i do think that they they're going to come up fired up for this game yeah yeah i i like and their defense that we taught i mean they're at 21 in beta rank and you know utah made a big leap forward you know offensively from where they were grading out um but that's still, you know, I hesitate when someone says like, oh, they figured it out. I'm like, oh, USC is terrible, <laughs> terrible. Um, you know, they're not going to, you're not going to have the kind of night you had against USC, against this ASU team. And that's what sort of concerns me, I think, if if you want to take the Utes in this game. Like, if Rank has this as a very close game, um, ASU is only a three-point favorite on the road in the model. But I, I, I like that. I, I, I think ASU right now is playing like a more complete team. Um, and I need to see Rising and company do it against a better defense. Because to be frank, like if you if you look at ASU, they're, they're, they're pretty good against the run. They're pretty good against the pass. They should be able to sit down with who they've got and, and not have to dedicate extra guys into coverage against Utah. And they might even be able to bring down a safety and to, to stop the run. All right, I hear you. I hear you. The over-under on this game is 51. Woo-hoo. Um, I don't think Utah's going to score very many points. Like, this might be a grind-out, you know, like a 24-10, 24-14 type of game. I think the under I think the under might be the, the look there. Uh, but one thing to mention with Utah, you know, Utah beat USC 42-26. to 
And they were able to move the ball, but they also gave up 401 yards to Keaton Slovis. <laughs> so, I mean, like, look, I know that USC's pass game is strong, yeah. but an awful lot of teams have kind of figured out how to keep it contained. And I guess you could argue that Utah did in this game, even though they, they gave it 400 yards. But that, that gives me a little bit of pause. I do think that the secondary isn't as good as I had anticipated at the beginning of the year. Is that fair? Yeah, I mean, they found a way to not give up points against USC. But they've been given, they gave up yards for sure, right? Um, and that's a bit of a concern, right? Like you, you, you definitely, if you, if you give up yards, you will eventually give up points. Cam rising three touchdowns. I don't see it against ASU. We'll see. Um, all right. I'll take, I'll take ASU and you're taking the, the Sun Devils too. Yep. I'm with him. All right. Where do you want to go next? Uh, let's do, let's do UCLA Washington. I'm, I'm okay. fascinated with this little game. This is the yeah, this is a super fun game because both of these teams have flaws, and I, I love taking a look at, at Beta Rank when because I, I was really trying to break this game down. And I kept thinking like I don't think Washington's right. Well, I know there's a lot of not good things about Washington, but I don't think UCLA's pass defense is good, and it's not. No, and they're going to go up against you know I, like I think a lot of people got like they touched the hot stove on Washington about them not being able to move the football and all of that, they, they can a little bit. And when you're throwing against the, the number 78 pass defense in the country, I, I do think this is a game where Dylan Morris is going to get like 250 or 300 yards and a couple touchdowns. Like, I think they're going to put up points in this game. Uh, and I'm curious, do you think that that's fair? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I think so. I think the one thing to watch out in this game for the Washington offense, you know, versus this UCLA defense, which which has had absolutely had some struggles, um, is you know they UCLA has been somewhat creative in bringing pressure, and so Washington's going to have to pick that up because if they do get to Morris more often than you know often enough, that that's going to cause Washington some problems because this is still a really bad offense from what we've seen. Washington's coming off of a bye. UCLA beat Arizona 34-16, and this game, Rob, oh my gosh, like, if, if they're, and we kind of said this a little bit about Oregon, too, when Arizona moved the ball against Oregon, you called out the alarm bells, and I kind of poo-pooed it as, ah, whatever, it's the, the twos and stuff, but UCLA also was letting McLeod and Arizona's offense go down the field, yeah. this game was very close until Gunnar Cruz came in. How many uh, alarm bells are going off in your head about UCLA? I mean, a lot. I mean, I I think a lot, right? I mean, I I think the defense, even though they came in and got the win, um, and they did cover. I mean, they they really did need the McLeod injury. But not only that, I mean, as I as we talked about, you give up yards, you will eventually give up points. Um, they gave up some yards to Arizona, right? I mean, up until Arizona was really flat on their back after you know McLeod got hurt. Um, but if Arizona was I mean, in Arizona is an inexperienced team. Uh, if Arizona had been able to finish drives, like UCLA would have very much found themselves in a game. Yeah, we kind of highlighted that. We thought there might be a chance that McLeod figured out the out. Of course, he, he gets hurt. Arizona's done for the season, basically. But when we take a look at what Washington's able to do, I, I mean, again, I like they can't rush the ball. So, you know, they're they're like sub 100. <laughs> in beta rank at rushing the football which yeah. is bonkers 
against a 51 defensive rush for for uh, UCLA, uh, they're, they're going to be able to pass it a little bit. But, like, I feel weird about this, but I think UCLA is going to be able to control this game on the ground, right? Because you can rush on Washington. You can run on Washington. That's that's the big watch out because Washington, they're at 14 on defense and beta rank now. Right now, you could argue that the defense has really lived up to expectations eventually, right? But they have a huge run pass split. Number two, an effective pass. Number 48, an effective rush. You can absolutely run the football on this Washington team. And UCLA... I mean, and I say this like maybe outside of ASU too, has about the most diverse rushing attack in the Pac-12. I just, I, I like UCLA yeah. to run the ball in this game. And I, I'm still not sure. I mean, if, 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 if it was USC coming in here, I'd be like, oh yeah, give me the Huskies, right? <laughs> I mean, if you even if USC had a better defense, I'd say, yeah, give me the Huskies because they're going into the teeth of what that Washington defense does really well. And this is a tough one. I mean, UCLA runs the ball really well. I I kind of like I kind of like UCLA a bit here, even though I think Baderink has it at four points for for Washington at home. The one thing to keep in mind too on that is. If you take a look at Washington's pass defense, I mean, Baderink has them at number two in the country. And we've always said that the pass defense is good. The one thing that, and I'm curious what you think about this, most of the yardage that UCLA is going to get through the air, if they do any through the air, I mean, like Michigan won the game throwing like for 45 yards, and so, so did Oregon State. So I think the, I think the playbook's out there, Rob, on how to beat this Washington team. But any of the yardage that they're going to get through the air are going to be the tight ends. I'm curious what you think about how the advanced metrics are able to, is there a way to, to figure out how a tight end plays into any of the advanced stats? Because I, I do think that you're going to see Dulcich get at least 60 or 70 yards in this game. I mean, unfortunately, uh, not hey. really. I mean, what you can talk about though schematic wise is because if there is an opening, can DTR get the ball out before the safety can close because Washington does start with those very high safeties right in the middle of the field. And so it is going to put pressure on in intermediate routes on the linebackers to cover Dulcich. But I mean, like uh, the big question, right? We talked about this with Michigan and we talked about this when they played Oregon, you know, after, after what we saw against Michigan, we talked about it with Oregon state and that is, you know, if, they didn't adjust. They did not adjust their defense against Michigan. They really didn't adjust their defense against Oregon State. Are they going to adjust if UCLA is able to gash them up the middle the way those other two teams were? If not, yeah. then Chip Kelly, I mean, he bar- he's barely been throwing the ball with DTR. He doesn't have to. He's not going to do it. Yeah. You know, the, the over-under on this game is 55. Am I crazy to think that there's going to be a lot of points in this game? I think there could be. I mean, I, I, I think UCLA is, I think, I think what will be interesting though is like, I mean, who scores first, right? <laughs> and if, if UCLA is able to, because I, I think UCLA will able to be method will be able to be methodical enough, right. To, to be able to put up some points in this game. Yeah. Okay. All right. Give me uh give me UCLA. Give me the Bruins on the road. Uh, I kind of like, I mean, if I'm going to bet one of the three that we've talked about, I think this is the one because I just, it, and you, how many times have we watched a game where a team just dominates on the ground and you're like, ah, oh, 
for the love of God. Like there's nothing. I oh, can it's do demoralizing, right? Like getting, getting, you know, I mean, it was demoralizing, I think for a lot of those, um, you know, Washington fans in that Michigan game, right? Because it just felt like the, there was nothing they could do. Oh, absolutely. Man, I feel weird though. I've taken three favorites again. Did that, did that last week and I felt okay about it and, and almost, almost land on those three. No, no, Washington's so the favorite. Washington's the favorite. Oh, shut up. <laughs> No, Washington still oh. Washington still favored by one point five. It opened, right. I think, at Washington at three. I feel good. I feel good. Should it should it hit that early, Rob? I got to get a better bookie here. Got to get a better bookie. Okay, okay. <laughs> you always you always want to hit the like if you can hit the opening lines, um, because then that is before all of the uh, sharp money comes in and moves them. And for the idiots like me, pile on and. And get the worst line. <laughs> uh, okay, cool. We have two more games to go, and one of them is just the best game you'll ever watch in your entire life. And we'll get to it right after this. All right, we're back. We are dedicated. We're at Dallas Fort Worth Airport talking to the world about Pac-12 football. And let, let's uh, let's get this out of the way, Rob. We got Arizona, a six-point underdog, going on the road at altitude to Boulder, Colorado to take on the buffs and this is uh, just about the stupidest game i've uh, seen on the schedule yeah this is gonna be terrible i mean this is this is <clears throat> this is arizona led by gunner cruz against i mean a truly truly unwatchable colorado offense i mean that's so, that's basically it right like i mean this colorado offense grades out at 121 in beta rank right now oh my gosh that's disgusting yeah <laughs> Well, so, okay, I looked at this line, and it's moved down. I think it opened at Colorado 7.5, and, and it's now moved down to Colorado being favored by 6. And that was perplexing to me for a couple reasons. First is, Arizona is not going to score in this game unless unless they get some breaks, whether it's interceptions or fumbles or, um, uh, you know, special teams plays. And Arizona, if, if, if I watched almost every one of these Arizona games. They have a tendency to give up big plays. And that sucks. And they're backbreaking where they'll hold the line, they'll hold the line, they'll hold the line. And then somebody misses an angle where somebody tackles poorly and boom, you got a player that's gone for 35 yards and it's a touchdown. Yeah. And I feel like Colorado's good for one or two of those in this game, even though their offense is just hot, hot garbage. Uh, does that sound like, does that sound like a fair assessment? Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, Arizona has struggled so much to stop the run. Um, they're at 110 in effective rush. Colorado is is all the way up at 75 in effective rush. Um, I mean, it does it does feel about right. I think you know that you know Colorado. I think is going to be able to run the ball um, and to be able to put something up in this game. So I I would hesitate to. Um, I'm with you. I mean, I I, I think Colorado is going to hit some big plays. But the question that like I think is is really with Colorado though is. Man, I mean, they're at, I mean they're at one twenty nine in explosive drives. I mean they're they're almost the worst <laughs> almost the worst team in America at explosive drives. So yeah, and, and I hear you, and and of course, and they're one twenty six by the way in passing offense. Just just awful. you don't just have to so, you so don't bad. have to take the the passing game seriously with them. No, so the, so Arizona is going to stack the box, but. I still think I still think they're they're going to give up at least one play where you're just like ah there it is there there's that play, um, and when you flip it around, like I'm not saying Colorado's defense is good, 
I do think that their numbers are a little um, too low because they're on the field so much. And, and we've talked about that a little bit. At least that's my assessment. I think that like Arizona's rush defense is terrible. And, and so is Colorado's, but I don't like, I think it's weakness on weakness, right? Like Arizona is really bad at running the football and Colorado's really bad at, at protecting against it. But I think Colorado's going to stuck the box too and say, go throw a pick Gunner Cruz. Let, let's see you do it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, yeah. I, I just, I Gunner Cruz struggles so much, but I do want to call out that his two games that he had were against BYU, which has a decent defense, and San Diego State, which has a very good defense. <laughs> so, okay. I just I just want to call it like the expectation that Gunnar Cruz is going to be, I mean, and he was, I mean, he absolutely, he looked terrible in those games. If he is at all able to make any kinds of decisions, he should be able to find some openings, you know, in this game. Um, and you know, it, 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 I, it does feel like Colorado, it's a six point favorite feels a little high at home. Yeah. At altitude. But if they can't move that football and I, I still think Arizona's defense, it's bad, but it, it holds the line until it doesn't. So I don't think Colorado is going to score a lot of points here. Man, you might be right, Rob. It might be like, it, okay. Does this sounds stupid that Arizona has the better offensive tools in this game? Is that like... No, that's 100% I mean, correct. Like, Arizona has the better offensive tools in this game. And truly, like, if you're looking at guys, I mean, like, who Arizona has to throw the ball to, like, they've they've certainly had their struggles, um, you know, but those guys should get, like, they should be able to get open somewhat. And I actually, I think Arizona might be able to run the football a little bit in this game. Um, because Colorado's really struggling to stop the run. Oh, but Arizona is so bad. Like, I don't, I hear you. Like, I know that I know Colorado is really bad at, at stopping the run, but gosh, has there been one play outside of like that hurdle that Arizona got for like five yards where you're like, all right, this, this Arizona rushing offense is, they figured it out. Right. Like, I just, I think it's one of the worst rushing offenses in the conference. And when they're going up against one of the worst rushing defenses, like, that's that's by the way stacking the box because they don't think Cruz can pass. I don't know. Well, here's where I think I mean it could be interesting, right? Is like if Colorado, I mean, like it could get out of hand for Colorado if they're able to get pressure on Cruz. I mean that's it. I mean we've seen that, right? Like Cruz just does not handle that super well. He will hold the ball a little bit too long if his if he doesn't have a steady pocket, Cruz is in trouble, right? Um. Where Arizona could potentially break this open is if they can. If they could do that, and this might be the only game they can. <laughs> if they could do that, if they could get Cruz any time, I think they're. I think they move the ball and score points and put up big plays. I want to take Colorado just based on my like preseason predictions, but right, that's that was six weeks ago. I just can't put faith into, I mean, I don't know that there is a more one-dimensional offense in college football than Colorado. Like, you literally do not have to respect the pass at all. Yeah. Dang. Seven and a half would have been the better play. I mean, of course. Right. Uh, if you wanted to take Arizona, which was the opening line. All right, you talked me into the you talked me into the Cats. And I've, I've ridden the Cats a couple times, and, uh, and they've actually done me okay. Uh, I think that was a bad beat last week. The one thing is just Gunner Cruz really makes me nervous, but 
with two teams, I mean, the under in this game is it's that's what to play. I think it's forty five and a half. Yeah, I think you think either these teams score enough. Well, I mean, Colorado doesn't have literally anything like San Diego State's defense. Um, it is not even close. Um, what do we got them at right now? San Diego State's defense is number 12 in beta rank. Like, that ain't the buffs. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's what I mean. Like, I'm not saying that Gunnar Cruz is, like, really good. I'm just saying, like, the sample that we got. Let me check where BYU's at currently. And BYU's at 35, right? Like, Colorado is a very different defense than either of those two. Um, and I don't think they're going to... I mean, Gunnar Cruz might not... We might not see his full, his full like, collection of limitations <laughs> that you're going to... That you will see every other week of the season, right? Yeah. No, that's fair. Uh, okay. So, you, are you going to take the Cats, too? I am. I'm, I'm crazy. I'm, I'm just... Second week in a row, I'm riding the cats as the underdog, but I'm going to do it. Hey, welcome to the party, man. Welcome to the party. That's been my MO the last couple of weeks. Um, all right. Let's get to the last game here, which is Stanford is a one and a half point favorite on the road against Washington State. Uh, Washington State, of course, coming off of a very fun win over Oregon State in which uh, they were able to, to just move the ball. 31 points uh, and and finishing the game really strong, 14 points in the third quarter and the fourth quarter. And uh, Jane Delora, 400 yards, three touchdowns, one pick. This offense is good when it's locked in and if Delora is making good decisions, and it absolutely is. The one thing that shocks me a little bit, Rob, is that the the rush game, I mean, Max Borgie, nine carries, 33 yards. Uh, now, now, Dion McIntosh did get 65. He got his, but I just... You know, I think everybody was expecting more out of Borgie, and I think he kind of is who he is now. Yeah, I just I'm uh, I just don't think that they're using him effectively, right? Like it's just it's a bummer. I don't think like you'd think in the scheme they'd be able to crack it open, but they just they just can't. Which is it's too yeah. bad. I mean, he's such a talent. I love Travell Harris, by the way. Um, another big game, 147 yards, eight receptions. He's all over the place, and just a very fun player to watch in this offense. And he reminds me like. We watched Hawaii play a couple Pac-12 teams, and what Rolovich was able to do with some of these smaller wide receivers and just be able to put them in a place to just go, and Rolovich is absolutely doing that with him. Win a lot of momentum for the program. You take a look on the other side here, and Stanford ended up losing to Arizona State. Um, they, they definitely played better in the second half. Like we mentioned, they had really lost this game in the first half. They yeah. lost it 10 to 28. Um, and we talked a little bit about Stanford, but was there anything else? I mean, I think we, I think we've locked Stanford in. I think we kind of understand that they can't run the ball, they can't stop the run, and they're going to throw the ball. And they're um, decent against the pass. Yes. Yeah. What are the numbers for their pass defense? They're at thirty-three, and that's where this game okay. gets really freaking interesting, right? Is like Washington State. They don't run the ball well. They're they're better at throwing the ball. I do think they're still suffering from the decision not to play Delora, who seems to be the only person <laughs> that they can really run this offense. Um, so I like, you know, I really like the, you know, like, but I, I like Washington state. I think they're a little underrated in the model right now as, as the model catches up to them with Delora. But if you flip it around, like Washington state's defense right now sits at 22, you know, they're at number eight in effective pass in beta rank. Stanford's at 26 in effective pass. They're at 103 in effective rush. I just, I wonder if Rolovich, they're going to be smart. Or, you know, Stan, I mean, if 
I, I think they're going to be able to get pressure on McKee. Like that's that's my big watch out here. Is I I think they can get to him. I thought this line was really low. It opened up, and I thought Stanford was going to be like a five point favorite or a three and a half point favorite. One and a half, and I went, oh man, I should jump on that. And I took a step back before firing that one off, and took a look around, and, and because I, I think that like. So I listened to the Cover 3 podcast, and those guys are really good. They cover stuff nationally. I think they're the best national uh, college football podcast. And they, they have this point about games that are played at night. The teams just look better because the lights shine off the helmets. Like, it's a better atmosphere. The lights are on. And so you can have, like, so a good example of this was when Wisconsin played, was it Notre Dame, that first that first game? And the, and the final score was, like, you know, 16 to Oh, no, the Penn State game. Yeah, yeah, it was something stupid, yeah. Yeah, that game, and then Penn State played a game at night, and it was almost the same score, and everyone was like, oh, it's a a defensive slobber knocker. Listen, look at it. Both teams really brought it. (laughs) Like It's just because it's at night. Yeah. Um, All that to say, Washington State's games have all been at the, like, during the daytime, and so I always focus on the offense because they're able to move the ball, but the defense really has been the story. And if their passing defense isn't bad, um, and that really limits what Stanford's able to do. Yeah, I, I think this is actually, right now, Washington State is grading out as, I think, the best passing defense in the Pac-12. Um, and part of it is coverage and scheme, but part of it is, is in, I mean, in their coverage scheme, but part of it is, part of it really is their, how effective they have become at blitzing. Um, so I would, I, I think they're going to get to McKee. I think he's going to feel the heat for the second week in a row. The weird thing here, though, is Stanford's biggest weakness is the running game, and Washington State just isn't good at doing that. No, and that's uh, so weird. I mean, again, like if there was a breakout game for Borgie, this would be it. Yeah, I don't think it's it though. Yeah, I, I just think that that the, I think their rushing game is just the same as Stanford's. Right, you're going to get 85 yards on like whatever number of carries, and then that's it, and then you're done. <laughs> Unless yeah. you're like Vanderbilt. Um, ah, so I. I I really want to take Stanford because I do think they have the better wide receivers. Uh, who's Washington State played that really can throw the ball? Well, Cal, Cal had been able to throw the ball. Just um, yeah, I mean, where their numbers, where they took a really big hit was in that USC game because their offense really just could not get it going. Um, their offense was yeah. terrible against that USC game. Um, but they've really turned it around since then, right? And like, you know, I don't think Stanford has the kind of talent, um, you know, and like they were they were really able to shut down Utah. They were able to shut down Cal um, and then turn around and shut down Oregon State, um, the passing game. So, I mean, it is true. I mean, like they did give up some yards to USC for sure, um, you know, against the pass. So. And you say shut down, you know, like they... But Cal, I mean, remember Cal went through the ball on on TCU. I mean, Cal suddenly looked like a quasi-effective passing attack. I mean, we'll see. I mean, like, this is a really good test for them. If Washington State's able to get pressure on McKee, then then yeah. Gosh, I I feel stupid, but I'm going to take Stanford. um, Because the advanced stats say to take Washington State. Um, I think Washington, I think the numbers are really close to Washington State. I just don't I need to see one more game of them stopping a good quarterback. I think Tanner McKee's the best quarterback in the Pac-12. I think they're going to be able to put up points. 
And I think the secondary for Stanford isn't bad. Yeah. So, uh, and uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take Stanford. Um, it's gonna. I think it'll be a close game either way, but I really do. You know, if if Washington State wins this game, then hell yeah! Like I think that they're in a good spot moving forward, and if they keep it close, I think it's the same. It's the same conclusion about them, but yeah, um, I think this is a game where Stanford just just moves the ball down the field and is able just to, to beat them. I'm going to take a look at what the the over under here is on this. It is 52 and a half. I'm I'm taking the Cougs because I I. I think we're still catching up to what that offense is with Delora, and I think that they're going to be pretty good in this game. Okay. Okay. Um, that sounds good. Let's take a look. Is there anything else that we missed here? Well, I guess we should talk about some of the other teams that played here. Um, Oregon State, losing that game to Washington State. Uh, you know, they, 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 I mean, here, here's kind of like my point where it's like, and I, and I know that Beta Rank does more like yards per drive. Uh, would it, would it Oregon State throw the ball like five times in that game? <laughs> so no, like I mean they, was, I mean Nolan threw it twenty five times. All right, let's get to some of the games that we didn't talk about. Let's talk about Oregon State here, Rob. Um, losing twenty four to thirty one. They, I mean, they really do commit to the run. You got BJ Baylor, one hundred forty five yards. Fenwick, the South Carolina transfer, one hundred twenty seven yards. A chance, Nolan, twenty five passes, one hundred fifty eight yards, two picks, and <laughs> eleven of twenty five. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, he's he's better than he was last year, but I still don't trust him. I mean, that's why that's why I actually bet on this game at the last minute. So I took Washington State because I'm like, I don't think Nolan's got it. <laughs> and, uh, and, and he maybe he does at home and maybe he's able to manage the game if they're if they're running around. But in this game, they needed to score some points and he just couldn't get it done through the air. Um, like, where, where, what do you think about the Beavs? Like, where, where, where do they sit? I mean, I think you're talking about a team that, I mean, I think is still going to be dangerous within the Pac-12, right? I mean, but they're they're definitely a one-sided team, right? Like, the offense is pretty good, but they're a little bit like a one-trick pony. Like, they're not they're not da- really dangerous throwing the ball. Nolan's got to have a really on game. And they, you, they, they're not a come-from-behind team in a lot of ways, right? Like, they're, they need to be playing from ahead because if they have to throw the ball to try to score quickly, they could be in a lot of trouble. How's that defense? That defense is at 87 in beta rank. So kind of back to where, right? Falling back to earth a little bit. Yeah. I mean, they, we didn't have them. And we had them, you know, still bad, but maybe better than they'd been for a couple of years. Yeah. They were down like the 120s for a long time. Yeah. Um, but, we, you know, I kind of thought that if they were going to make a jump and hit that bowl game, I think the defense needs to get up to the 60s. Yeah. And it just doesn't look like that's the case for them this this year. Um, well, and how know. many how many more games are they going to have against I mean it's true though that like not any there there's not a really great rush defense in the entire Pac-12. <laughs> um, I mean there's some good ones, decent ones like Arizona State or Utah, but you know Oregon State's not going to face you know, like the world's greatest rush defenses out there, you know, on the rest of their schedule in a lot of cases, right? Who do they got? They got they got Utah. That'll be a tough one for them um, after they come off the bye. Um, oh, and then they do have ASU in Oregon. I mean, I still think they can get to a bowl. You only need two more wins, right? And you have Colorado on the schedule. <laughs> um, and you think they would pick up at least one versus Stanford and Cal. Okay. But we'll keep an eye on that. It just, um, I don't know. I feel like the win that they had, uh, they knock off Washington. 
I think that was more a, a Washington and, and a home game. You know, like, you have teams that, that do this. Like Arizona used to do this all the time. Um, ASU would do this all the time, right? At home, it's hot. Crowd's going crazy. And uh, it seems like that was kind of where they were. But um, let, let's move. I guess the last thing is USC. And this this team is right on its last, on its last gas. Yeah. Right? It's, it's pulling into the pump and it's like, you know, the, the odometer's on like empty. Um, it just seems like how many times are you going to throw to Drake London and then do nothing else and just expect to, to be able to win? I mean, I think this is a team, if they make it to a bowl, like bet so much money against them. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, the defense right now is at 96. I mean, this is one of the worst defenses in the Pac-12. And they looked in that Utah game like they'd quit. So gross. Um, yeah. And like, I mean, the fact that defense is just so, so bad. And, uh, and I'm going to go and bet Utah now after I said that. Uh, <laughs> or not Utah, uh, ASU. Because I do think that that wasn't a get right game for the, the Utah offense. Yeah. Um, and then and the offense is what it is. I think it'll be interesting to see if Williams puts in Jackson Dart because, man, what an F you to a quarterback that's stuck with the program with that turmoil. Right. Um, and I know it's a man's game and all that stuff and best man up and all that. But, like, you know, your, your season's lost. And I, I know you want to shit, but, like, he, Williams isn't going to be the coach. Yeah. I just feel like it's the right thing to do to, to ride it out with Slovis and just end the season. And maybe put Dart in, you know, like in the second half of games and stuff. But I don't know. Do you think it's kind of like, kind of like a, I don't know, like, just, I just feel like it's it's the wrong thing to do to put in Dart when it doesn't matter anymore. Well, I don't think Slovis is the one holding him back. I mean, I think it's it's a total lack of a running game. It's a bad offensive line. Um, and it's the fact that outside of Drake London, they don't have a lot of playmakers at the outside. Yeah. I mean, but if you look down at this, at the list of, of wide receivers, I mean, they should like, be better. They're just not. And Dart, I mean, what's Dart going to do? I mean, we saw it a little bit in that game, like against Washington State. I mean, he 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 played a little hero ball. I, I just don't. I don't see him like making a lot of better decisions than Slovis, at least this year, right? Like you can season him so that he's better. But I mean, if I were them, I mean, I would definitely. I don't know. <clears throat> it just like because if Slovis is is likely not going pro, I mean, he might transfer. He might transfer in the conference. Come to Arizona. Do Arizona it. or ASU or, you know, he's from the Phoenix area. Spencer Rattler, come down to Tucson. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, be, uh, and be obnoxious and not a likable player there either. Uh, <laughs> so one last thing on, on uh, the wide receiving court for USC, Katie Nixon. Yeah. Where did he go? My goodness. He was, he was fun to watch at Colorado and he just has disappeared. On yeah, roster. I think I've seen him catch like four balls the whole year. Yeah, that's a weird one. Like that, the 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 that whole wide receiver core outside of London just is is not making a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you have it. Week seven, all the picks. I will be back with a good microphone, not in an airport next week, and uh, looking forward to going through the games with you, uh, Rob. Anything else to to plug? No. Nope. Catch the Saturday six. That's all I got. All right, everybody. Well, thanks for listening, and we will catch you next week.